Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I just want to warn you that the following podcast is going to be... Shaken, not stirred. Yeah, yeah, I know that's corny, but you know what? That's all I had. You get over here and write the fucking show. Anyway, here we go. Stop. Look. He's gunning for trouble. Double O seven. It spells... God. He's the idol of every woman. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. The envy of every man. The nemesis of the treacherous Mr. Goldfinger. Goldfinger, a triumph in thrill-making cinema entertainment. The man with the mind. A three-time winner for Fleming, Secret Agent 007. Who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. Isn't it customary to grant the condemned man his last request? You've asked for this. Come and purr over Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore. The female who is all feline. Also starring Gert Roper as Goldfinger. International cheat. International menace. Gentlemen! Goldfinger, why weren't we told the New York and the West Coast were in on this? Goldfinger, I made a delivery. Where is my money? And you owe me one million bucks. Goldfinger, the man with a finger in every pie. His goal, Fort Knox, the world's biggest bank. His enemy, 007, the world's wiliest, toughest gentleman agent with a license to kill. 007, it spells... Bond. James Bond. Mixing business with girls and thrills. Girls and fun. Girls and danger. The hotter the danger, the cooler he takes it. I think you've made your point, Goldfinger. Thank you for the demonstration. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. So that's right, it's the uh, 1964 classic uh, Goldfinger, which, um, in my opinion, really set the standard for James Bond movies going forward. Uh, Take, for example, its villain, Goldfinger, who really is sort of, uh, well, the gold standard, pun intended, if you will, uh, or template for 007 villains moving forward, right? Doesn't it seem like each movie, they just get more, they just get, they're weirder, they're more eccentric, more elaborate schemes, you know, and it's like, 
most of the time they simply could just really kill him, but they they go to really great lengths to like I don't know get these like huge productions <laughs> that like most people in real life just wouldn't do. You know what I mean? But that's that's the world of James Bond. It's great. So the cast consists of Sean Connery as James Bond, actress Honor Blackman as. Eh, why don't I just let her? My name is Pussy Galore. Yeah, that's it. And then you have actor Gert Frobe as the classic Goldfinger. And then, of uh, of course, we can't forget about uh, played by Harold Sakata, uh, Goldfinger's lethal Korean manservant. Um, And pretty much the history behind how he got cast was uh, Mr. Sakata was an Olympic silver medalist uh, weightlifter. And um, after seeing him on a wrestling program, Hamilton had uh, contacted Sakata, and uh, when, when he met when he met him, he uh, quote thought he was uh, an absolutely charming man, end quote, and found that uh, he had a very unique way of uh, moving. So in creating Odd Job, uh, Hamilton used all of Harold's own characteristics, really, which is kind of neat. I didn't know that. Uh, another little-known fact, uh, Sakata was uh, badly burned when filming his death scene. Uh, actually, that's uh, you kind of remember at the end of the movie. It's the infamous, you know, Fort Knox uh, scene, in which uh, Oddjob is electrocuted. Um, so Sakata, uh, however, he kept holding on to the hat with determination, um, uh, despite uh, his pain, until the... Uh, director uh, had called cut apparently had he had been electrocuted so odd job has been described as a wordless role but one of cinema's greatest villains and then we have the actor desmond llewellyn playing q uh who you all should know is the head of q branch he's uh he supplies 007 in this movie with a modified aston martin db5 now the director of the movie hamilton told Llewellyn to inject a little bit of humor into the character, thus beginning the friendly antagonism uh, between Q and James Bond that would really become a hallmark in uh, later movies um, as time went on. Um, Pretty much up to that point, Q was not that much of a charismatic figure, so it's really from this point forward that uh, we know him as that uh, pretty much... lovable tech guy, always there with a uh, unique uh, invention or some something that just, you know, Bond just so happens to usually need in that film. It's kind of amazing, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> and then Lois Maxwell as uh, Miss Moneypenny. And uh, it's pretty much, uh, pretty sure she's like M's assistant, but uh, she's kind of like a receptionist role. Which, um, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. I don't want to <laughs> offend anybody, but, uh, I don't know. Just, uh, every time Bond meets with, uh, M, which usually means he's getting chewed out by him. <laughs> Bond, what'd you do this time? You know, you wrecked all this destruction and whatnot. And, you know, he just gets chewed out and then he, you know, leaves M's office and she has, she's right there with a the typewriter. I mean, you know, it's a little funny if you think about it these days. But, uh, yeah. Lois Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. 
So this is how the plot unfolds. After destroying a drug laboratory in Latin America, MI6 agent James Bond travels to Miami Beach for a vacation. He receives instructions from his superior, M, via CIA agent Felix Leiter to observe bullion dealer Auric Goldfinger at the hotel there. I believe it's the Fontainebleau. Uh, Bond sees Goldfinger cheating at a gin rummy uh, game and stops him by distracting his employee, Jill Masterson, and blackmailing Goldfinger into losing. After Bond and Jill consummate their new relationship, Bond is knocked out by Goldfinger's Korean manservant, Ajab. Uh, when Bond awakens, he finds Jill dead, covered in gold paint, having died from skin suffocation. Just when you think you've heard it all. Soon after, in London, the governor of the Bank of England and M explained to Bond that gold prices vary across the world, allowing one to profit by selling bullion internationally, and his objective is determining how Goldfinger smuggles his gold across borders. Now, to help in his mission, Q gives Bond a modified Aston Martin DB5 and two tracking devices. Bond arranges to meet Goldfinger socially at his country club in Kent and wins a golf game against him with a recovered Nazi gold bar lent to him by MI6 for the mission at stake. Aware of Bond's ulterior motives, Goldfinger, before leaving, warns Bond not to interfere in his affairs, reinforcing the threat by having Oddjob demonstrate his steel rim derby as a deadly weapon. Like, uh, here. Our job. Many people have tried to involve themselves in my affairs, unsuccessfully. Remarkable. But what does the club secretary have to say? Oh, nothing, Mr. Vaughn. I own the club. Bond follows Goldfinger to Switzerland, where he sneaks into Goldfinger's plant and overhears Goldfinger explaining how he smuggles his gold by melting it down and incorporating it into the bodywork of his Rolls-Royce Phantom III, which he takes with him whenever he travels. Bond also hears Goldfinger talking to a uh, Chinese nuclear physicist, Mr. Ling, about Operation Grand Slam, Taking a few steps back now, um, if you recall back in Miami when Mr. Bond first encountered Goldfinger using that beautiful blonde bombshell um, to help him cheat in his gin rummy games, Jill Masterson, um, she's killed when she's covered in uh, gold paint, uh, causing skin suffocation. Well, turns out she's got a sister who tries to avenge uh, her, uh, her death, and that is uh, Jill. So Jill actually is in Switzerland, too, trying to get Goldfinger as well. So, so while spying um, and snooping around uh, Goldfinger's plant, Bond does encounter Tilly as she actually tries to kill Goldfinger, but trips an alarm in the process. So Bond then tries to protect Tilly, but uh, after a chase ensues, uh, leading to a gun battle, um, and it's a car chase, actually. Um, uh, they crash, and then uh, Oddjob gets out of the car, 
as they're both running, uh, Odd Job takes his hat off and uh, accurately throws it and kills her with the hat. And uh, Bond is captured and tied to a uh, solid gold table underneath an industrial laser, which, um, yeah, well, that scene is uh, it's a little scary for me. I, I don't know about you guys. Um, and I'm talking to the guys out there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a scary uh, thought with that laser scene. I don't even know. It uh, begins to slice the table in half with Bond tied to it and his legs. Uh, it, it's, it, if the laser would touch him, it just wouldn't go well. Uh, from what I understand the strength of the laser to be. Anyway, moving on. Bond then lies to Goldfinger that uh, MI6 knows about Operation Grand Slam, causing Goldfinger to spare Bond's life so as to mislead MI6 into believing that Bond has things in hand. Alright, so uh, uh, without really dictating the entire movie to you guys, from this point forward, uh, pretty much what happens is uh, the Operation Grand Slam that uh, Bond overheard is an operation to invade Fort Knox by uh, pretty much releasing this Delta-9 nerve gas into the atmosphere, which will render everybody unconscious um, instantaneously. And uh, Goldfinger plans to do this with his uh, army of women in planes, um, his armada. <laughs> um, they're all beautiful and blonde, by the way. And, uh, yeah, so they're the ones that release the nerve gas. And uh, they, they just get in planes and do it. And they're all led by, uh, well, what's her name again? My name is Pussy Galore. Yeah, her. So, anyway, uh, let me just go ahead and skip right to the chase here. The plan doesn't go accordingly. And um, Fort Knox doesn't get overtaken. In fact, when you see the... Uh, the, the Flying Armada, Pussy Galore's Flying Circus, I think it's even called. Um, uh, they're releasing on this Delta 9 nerve gas, they believe, but it turns out to be nothing. The entire population around, all the army, uh, uh, the soldiers and everybody, they're all in on it. They all go unconscious to kind of lead Goldfinger and his, you know henchmen to believe that uh, everything's going to plan they go into go they go into Fort Knox um pretty much thinking everything's good once they're in Fort Knox everybody wakes up the jig is up they have gold fingers surrounded at Fort Knox so uh didn't see that one I'm sure coming and um yeah um surprisingly enough odd job well the plan was this they were going to go in there they're going to put a bomb in there um, essentially, uh, this nuclear bomb, I think, and they make it new, all the gold radioactive. And, uh, Bond was handcuffed to this nuclear weapon. And surprisingly enough, there was, uh, Oddjob in the, in the vault as well, because it pulled the bomb into the vault. And it seemed like Oddjob was, um, I don't know, he seemed like he was willing to give his life there for the cause, which is really weird. It makes you want, see that also plays into like the the whole mysterious role. Like, why would his Korean manservant, which I hate saying, but I mean that's what he what he's called, guys, just doing the thing. Why would that Korean manservant be so inclined to want to commit suicide for this cause, which really, come on, isn't all that noble? I mean, you're trying to steal gold, and if it works, your boss gets all this gold. 
if it doesn't work, you're dead. I mean, you know, I mean, either way, you're dead. I mean, it just it just seems weird. So, leading me to believe there might be a conspiracy. Oddjob had something hanging. Uh, Goldfinger had something hanging over uh, Oddjob's head. I think maybe he promised his family. Uh, I don't know, comfy uh, living for the rest of their lives if uh, if uh, he. Uh, would partake in this operation, and it should go successfully, I assume. I don't really know. Um, but uh, things didn't go, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler here for people who are not uh, caught up on the Bond series, but uh, Bond lives. <laughs> yeah, because it's only the third movie. Anyway, so let me just go ahead and uh, give you my review. Um, so, I mean, you know, pretty much I really, uh, I'm trying to be as critical as possible, guys, trying to give you my honest, unbiased, objective point of view of the movie, and I have to say, well, first of all, let's, uh, you know, I want to do this uh, film review uh, weekly, and I know this really wasn't so much a a review so much as, like, just information about the movie, maybe not even, like, that... (laughs) uh, it wasn't even like served up the best, but hey, man, it's the first episode. We're trying stuff. It's a podcast. This is the beauty of it. It's loose. You can do it again. I can practice in front of all you guys. Plus, I need your feedback too. That helped. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think what I'll do is I'll, you know, weekly we'll we'll rate the movies from one to ten. One being the worst, and ten being the best, and we'll take into a few. Uh, factors into account, but I mean, honestly, if I'm being completely, completely honest and objective with myself, I'd have to say that this movie, I'm going to go ahead and give it my stamp of 10 out of 10, and it's not just for nothing, I've got logic behind that, let me explain it, this movie, like I said before, really sets the standard for Bond movies going forward, the two prior movies were really not like anything like they're really not like any they're really more like old movies if you look at from russia with love um i think uh i think robert shaw's in that one and they're on a train there's not really much action it's more like espionage and there's not a whole lot of action in from russia with love i think like the last part of the movie (laughs) like some boat chase it's like you know but for the most part they're on a train and it's not really you know how i don't know they they just uh, couldn't do it. Doctor No, on the other hand, though, they were heading in the right direction. I mean, they did have that uh, maniacal hench, uh, maniacal uh, madman. I mean, you know, Doctor No. And if you recall, I believe again, this is the Goldfinger review, not the Doctor No Doctor No review. But I think Doctor No was like this mad scientist in I want to say the Bahamas or no, somewhere off of uh, Jamaica, right? And he, uh, when the United States was sending up, uh, I guess, missiles, satellites in the early 60s up into the atmosphere doing all these tests. Probably reason why we're uh, uh, heading into an environmental calamity. But anyway, um, when they're doing all these tests, he would uh, pretty much have this uh, technology that would be able to capture said missile or said satellite and uh, do what he would wish with it. It pretty much would become under his control. And uh, so, um, I don't want to get too much into the movie there, but, um, 
you know, they were heading in the right direction with that. So, you know, they got that bond. But, but still, Dr. No kind of lacked a lot of stuff. I mean, again, it was the first movie. Got to do some introductions there, you know what I mean? Not everybody knows who James Bond was. And, uh, you know, I'm just, again, even back then, Ian Fleming had written all these books about Bond. And essentially, you know, it's not, you know, most people watch things in movies. I think it's the same case today as it was back then. So, um, yeah, so pretty much the the first two movies had some things to work out, some introductions, kind of get the, uh, set the tone, if you will. So they did, they did a good job setting the tone, but Goldfinger gets a 10 out of 10 because it doesn't set the tone. It, I mean, it sets the standard for like the nuttiness, the eccentricness, the over the top, you know, conspiracies, these elaborate schemes, you know, I mean, everything in that you want in a Bond movie and that you see in a Bond movie going forward from that point. So uh, I, it gets a 10 out of 10 and I'm being as objective as I can. So. All right, guys. Well, that's been uh, this week's edition of the uh, film review. Like I said, uh, you know, a lot to work on, but uh, I hope you guys get the gist of it. You know, next up, uh, we're going to work things out, I hope, as uh, the episodes go on. I really hope you'll continue to listen, because I do intend on improving upon each episode. (laughs) I'm going to try, guys, because, again, I'm just an amateur here. You know, I I have a... uh, got a full-time job that uh, I have, and I'm doing this in my free time, which I could be spending relaxing, but uh, instead, this is actually something I like doing, so it's my passion, and uh, so next week, I'm going to be reviewing another movie, and I hope you guys will stay tuned for that, uh, because uh, it's going to be a great, great time. Uh, I've got about... uh, Let's see here. Well, I'm watching these two movies right now. Um, I don't want to say really what they are. And I'm deciding which one I should do the episode about. But working on a review for the next two. So hopefully it'll go well. Anyway, that's been, uh, this has been your, this week's edition of the, uh, the film review club. And, um, I hope you'll, uh, stay tuned for future episodes as we try to make the show much, much better. Um, anyway, thanks a lot, guys.